And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. All right, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. We are so glad that you're here. And I feel like this is very appropriate, but today we have with us Jane Elligard. And Jane is a financial whiz and wizard, and she is here to help individuals take control of their finances. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about that. She is founder and coach with Elligard Wealth, and we are so glad to have her here with us today. Jane, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Lauren. I'm thrilled to be here. Yay! I'm so glad. I love it when people say that they're thrilled to be here. I'm like, it, it always gets me excited because I know we're going to have a good show when you have just as much buy-in from the guest as you do the host. It's one of my favorite things. So, so tell me this, Jane. We're gonna we're gonna hop right into it here. Tell us, tell us about your journey. Tell us how you got here. Absolutely. So, I spent 34 years in corporate America. And I started out in an area I really didn't expect to start out in, in finance. And I had a business degree and I started, I really wanted to work for an airline. I had the great pleasure of getting to work for an airline and a year and a half in, uh, there were acquisitions. And so I went to work for Cargill instead in their corporate treasury group. Okay. And... From there, I had the opportunity to work for the owners of Cargill in their family office, something I didn't even know existed, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> and so there I learned all about investments and had the opportunity to grow into that role with one of the wealthiest families in the United States. So pretty amazing way to learn the industry. And I spent nine years with the family office. From there, I went on to work for a boutique investment management firm here in town in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And there I worked with the executives and founders of the companies that we were taking public or doing merger and acquisition deals for. So they, these were individuals who most of their wealth had been tied up in their company. And all of a sudden they were having this liquidity trigger and uh, the group that I was with, we were helping these individuals decide how to put their money to work. It's complex. And, you know, people don't realize that, how much complexity comes with wealth. And from there, um, I went to a large regional bank and uh, worked with high net worth individuals there and managed 800 million myself personally and supervised a team who was managing five billion of assets under management wow yeah so it was i mean it was exciting i you know i loved what i did i loved building relationships and creating trust with my clients helping them achieve their goals their financial goals i just absolutely loved it but along the way i started to take on some coaching classes 
and learning more about coaching, I became a certified career coach. I went through um, the Neuro Leadership Institute and became a brain-based coach, you know, all based on neuroscience and how that impacts how you learn. And I just really fell in love with the coaching aspect. And, you know, Lauren, I kept seeing over and over again, I would have husband and wife come in for a meeting. And as much as I would try to engage both parties, oftentimes the wife would glaze over. And, you know, what then sometimes happen is the husband would pass away or there would be a divorce. And now the woman would be thrown into a scary situation. She was overwhelmed because she really didn't understand the finances. And so I kept asking myself, you know, where can I send these women to get educated, to start to learn more about their financial situation? Because I feel like women didn't learn the basic concepts that they needed to learn, you know, a long time ago. We should have learned this earlier, much earlier, and we didn't. And so I finally just decided that this was what I needed to go do. I needed to take the, the experience and the background that I had in finances and, and bring that to women who really needed to learn this. And in a way that, that was gonna be interesting. So, so I love that. Like, I mean, of course, you know, the, the, the advancement of women and the championship of women is, is my heart. That's where it lives. Um, so, so let me ask you this. Why do you think the wife's eyes would glaze over so consistently? Like, what do you think is the reasoning behind this, this kind of resistance or this, this, um, not inability, but this, displeasure around talking finances amongst women? I think they find it boring. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I think they just, I've, I've had so many women say to me when I tell them about what I'm doing, they're like, oh, I, you know, I'm just really not interested in that. Yeah. Okay. And, then, and they go on to say, you know, my husband handles all of that. So I'm good. Hmm. That's really interesting. Well, and I've heard, well, I think I read somewhere that money, money matters is the number one reason that couples fight. Have yep. you found that? Oh, yes, absolutely. It's very true. Yeah. Well, so, so talk to us a little bit about, about your process. Um, what does that, what does that look like when you're working with, with a client? Well, so one of the first things I did, I spent the first six months after I left um, my corporate job, I spent the first six months creating a curriculum that was very female friendly because I think, you know, the financial industry, I think part of it to answer your question as well, part of it is also that, you know, the, the industry is very male dominated. It's very masculine. Sure. And it's really set up for men. It's men, it's, you know, I think there's only 17% of financial advisors are women. And so you have, you know, just a very masculine industry that has been really created by men for men. And so a lot of the lingo and the jargon is very, is very, you know, masculine. And so part of what I wanted to do was make it far more female friendly. And so I created, I call it the six pillars to financial empowerment. And it's it's really taken a lot of the basic concepts, but I start with 
you know, talking about your values and talking about your money values and beliefs and, you know, talking about your financial goals and, you know, and I have really fun analogies and it's not dumb down Lauren. it's not, you know, we're smart. Women are smart. Sure. And, you know, we can learn this. It's not rocket science. It's just a lot of the, the way that the terminology is used, you know, when you start talking about outperformance and, um, you know, basis points and alpha and beta, and it doesn't make sense to a lot of us. And so part of it is just cutting through all of that and explaining the concepts in a way that women can connect with. Sure. So, so tell me this, and I'm, I'm sure that you've worked with just a lot of women who kind of came to the game with little or no context, but maybe a, a desire to learn. Um, so what is, what is the one thing that you would, you would tell them, or what is the one thing that I'm going to rephrase that? What is the one thing that they need in order to gain financial confidence? It's really understanding the basic concepts. I mean, if you don't understand the difference between a stock and a bond to start off with, you know, getting any further into a conversation around investments is pretty tough. And I think think oftentimes we reach the point where we feel like, well, I should know that by now. So now I'm kind of embarrassed. And so I'm not going to ask. Yeah. I'm not going to say that I don't understand it. And I'm not going to have somebody take me back to the basic concepts that where, where were we, where were we supposed to learn it? Nobody was teaching us that. Yeah. Well, and there, there's a lot of vulnerability in saying, I don't know, particularly when you think I should know something. So I, I love that you are, are helping your, your clients to realize that without shame, without um, that imposter syndrome that, that we all know so well. Um, so, so talk to me about... Talk to me a little bit about how you have reached women who may have had a little bit of like a mental stumbling block around financial financial independence and financial knowledge. Because I, I know that I've got a pretty big chip on my shoulder when it comes to it. Um, and I, I'm sure that many of our listeners do as well. Well, I think I start off with, again, talking about money, values, and beliefs. And the very first thing that I had, one of the first exercises I have them do, and I do it within a group. So women learn collaboratively. So I bring women together to learn in the way that they like to learn, not one-on-one -on -one as much. And so when we come together, I have them draw out their family tree. And then I have them think about what were the money values and beliefs that they heard from, you know, that were passed down from their grandparents to their parents to them I share that, you know, my dad told me, marry a rich man. And uh, he also told me to go into sales. There was money to be had in sales. And so the, the message was clear that money was good. Money would make my life better. But that's not what everybody heard. But giving women the opportunity to stop and think about it and get to share their story. I mean, it's so fun to watch because... They can't wait for it to be their turn and they get to share kind of what they heard growing up and why they, they think the way they do around money. And most of us have just never even considered it. We just, you know, kind of 
it's what we heard and we move on and we don't really think about the fact that you know money intertwines with every aspect of our lives and you know it impacts your relationships as you were just saying earlier it you know who hasn't had a fight about money at some point in time right with a loved one we all have and so that impact is very real it impacts your career you know for somebody like me who heard money was good you know i was driving for that next promotion trying to make more money but for somebody who grew up hearing money is bad and rich people are greedy you know they might be sabotaging that next promotion opportunity without even realizing they're doing it or understanding why yeah well so, so give me I, I feel like the, the end goal is for your clients to have not just a strong knowledge base, but a strong understanding and belief in money values. You, you've referenced that a couple of times. And, and so I'm really interested, what is an example of a money value that someone could hold? And, and maybe give us a couple if you're feeling generous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, as far as money values, Again, it kind of comes back to good or bad. You know, I think that's just a really basic, you know, do I consider money to be a good thing, something that that I want in my life? And, you know, so looking at it through that lens and then starting to tie those values to, you know, the goals that you want to set and achieve with your wealth and you know, how you move forward and getting engaged in the conversation around your financial future. You know, I think we all, you talked about limiting beliefs earlier, and I think there's a lot of different, you know, limiting beliefs, you know, like, I don't like math, yeah. um, I don't like numbers. And so that can immediately cut yourself off from wanting to learn more about money. But, you know, if you start turning that around and thinking things like, um, you know, I determine my financial reality and I'm perfectly capable of understanding the numbers and the math behind it. Or, you know, money provides freedom to do the things that improve the quality of my life. And so starting to just shift, uh, you know, how you view money and, and how you want to think about it is, you know, really powerful. So I, I find that really interesting because I, I, I don't know, I, I'm sure that psychologically we all kind of get these societal, family, you know, nature versus nurture type of messages about money. And, and what you're talking about is this dichotomy of money solves all pains versus money is the root of all evil. And those are kind of the opposite ends of the spectrum. Do you think that, you know, kind of money kind of is actually somewhere in the middle, like money is a construct. I mean, is that what you are trying to get to? You know, money is a concept and it is what you do with it. Or, or where do you think the, the true answer lies? I'm getting very philosophical with you. So <laughs> money is a tool. Yeah. Right? Nothing more than a tool that can help you achieve things that you want to achieve. I mean, for example, I mean, with all of, you know, the civil unrest issues that are going on right now, you know, if you really want to make a difference and there's something that, that is really meaningful to you, going out and making more money so that you can then make a difference in that particular area that, that maybe really speaks to you, you know, that's a tool Yeah. You know, that can help you accomplish something that you really, you know, want to get done. 
Yeah. And so starting to look at it from that perspective, instead of, I mean, money, money can be so emotional for people. That's why we fight about money, right? Yeah. And so you can start to think, and you know, one of the things that I encourage the women that work with me to do is to take that same family tree exercise back. And if they're married, to do that with their spouse, have their spouse do it and start to talk about, you know, how you both feel about money and how you approach money at a time when you're not fighting about it so that you can start to understand, oh, well, that makes sense. Now I understand he approaches it that way because of how he was raised. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, so so tell, tell me this. One of the the questions that I have for you. And, and this is something that struck me. So on the front end, before we even hopped on the phone, you, you wrote down three things that you wanted to talk about today. And I'm, I'm really interested in particular in one of them. And we'll circle back to a couple other things that you mentioned, but I really want to talk about heartfelt legacy. You said these words, and I don't know exactly what you mean by them, but I feel called to ask you about them. So I'm going to do it now because I just can't wait anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love heartfelt legacy. It's, you know, your heartfelt legacy is all about, I think so oftentimes people look at legacy, think about legacy as purely money and money after they're dead. Right. Well, legacy is so much more than that. Legacy is about what you're doing when you're alive. And it's about the, you know, the time and treasures that you bring to your family, to your, the charities that are important to you, the issues that are important to you. It's, you know, so again, look, thinking about, and I know I keep going back to the money, values, and beliefs, but every, every single pillar, all of the six pillars, we keep coming back to look at all of them through the lens of those money values and beliefs, because those are so powerful. And if you think about these are the money values and beliefs that you grew up hearing, but what are the money values and beliefs that you're now passing on to your children, your grandchildren, and are they the values that you want to pass on? And so if there's a shift that needs to be made, making that really conscious decision and thought process and applying that to, you know, what do I want my legacy to be? And making those decisions now, you know, early on before you're gone. So let your heartfelt legacy is all about, you know, the things that, that are close to your heart and how you want to make a difference in those areas and to those people. Yeah, I love that. Like, as you're talking, things are just kind of resonating in me and I'm just, I, I'm very uh, interested in this whole process. So, so as you're talking about this, this legacy, Tell me, how does that manifest itself? Like, give me an example of a client, maybe two, that are working actively to, to build a heartfelt legacy. What does that look like in practice? It's getting involved in the, the charities that you really, you know, interested in and want to, you know, donate, whether it's money or time, your talents. You know, so really making a concerted effort to think about, you know, which are those? You know, you can't you can't have a an impact with, you know, 20 different charities. It's hard to do that. So, 
you know, really being very, you know, conscientious about choosing which are the ones that that are really meaningful that you want to get involved in or, you know, thinking about, you know, I have, we spend, again, we spend time first uh, talking about core values, just what are your core values and then honing in on the money values. And again, thinking about, you know, how are you presenting yourself to the rest of your family, to your friends, to your loved ones? And, and is that the way that you want to be presenting? So it's really working through and making sure that everything is tying together, whether it, it's talking about, you know, the charitable intent, your estate planning, you know, so it's coming back to, um, you know, that aspect of it, of, you know, what, how do you want things to look when you're gone? And getting all of those wishes in place now while you're still alive and communicating that and sharing that with your family. So those would be some of the ways that you're actually kind of putting it to work. Yeah. So, so I have to admit, as you are talking, you're, you're almost, you're challenging me, Jane. That's what you're doing right now. <laughs> these, are, these are things that, that I'll be honest, like I haven't really given much thought to. I'm relatively young in the scope of things, and I just haven't really put a whole lot of intentional thought behind it. And so, so I appreciate what you're saying. Um, also, you know, would like to note that as we build our businesses and as we are entrepreneurs trying to make a name for ourselves and, and better our world. Um, one of the ways that would be really fantastic for someone to do so would be to work with a fractional CFO. So Crown CFO is this episode's sponsor. They offer fractional CFO services for businesses of any size or stage. Get the impact of a CFO for a fraction of the cost. You can visit crowncfo.com forward slash hustle to learn more or click the link in the show notes. Uh, so, so just wanted to, to note that really quickly. And, and now I want to, I want to change tax on you a little bit, Jane. And I, I know that I'm asking you a lot of kind of deep questions here. This one hopefully is sort of a no brainer for you, but talk to me a little bit about spending thoughtfully. Um, and, and by you had mentioned this, you know, as something that you wanted to discuss. And I find it really interesting because I don't know that a lot of people spend thoughtfully these days when you, when, when e-tail and when, when retail and when purchasing options, you have ads all over social media, it's just so in your face. So what does spending thoughtfully mean to you? And what does that look like? Well, so I like to say, I don't use the word budget. Okay. Because what do you use. Well, <laughs> spending thoughtfully is what I use. All right. I, yes. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I think that to me, again, budget is a very, feels like a very masculine term. It feels like punishment. It's, it reminds me a lot of diet, right? I mean, diet and budget to me feel like, you know, I'm doing that to myself because I'm punishing myself because I've been bad. And now I have to go either on a diet or on a budget. So I, I don't like using that terminology. And I think it really turns women off because, you know, who wants to be punished? Let's try to find a different way to put it. And so I think spending thoughtfully, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, anything very different, but I heard um, somebody use the terminology 
uh, I call it treasures, promises, and fun. So tomorrow's treasures, what are you saving for the future? You know, your retirement, uh, you know, a, a big adventure, a vacation, a second home, a first home, whatever it is. So what are you, what are you saving for the future? And then you have uh, yesterday's promises. What have you already committed to? So your mortgage, your car payment, your utilities, you have to buy groceries. You know, what are the things that you need and have to spend money on? And then whatever's left over is for today's fun. And so looking at it just again with slightly different terminology and thinking about it differently. So it doesn't feel quite as awful. And, you know, I think that just helps kind of get shift your mind a little bit, right? As to, yeah. you know, how am I going to think about it? How am I going to look at it? And um, yeah, so it's, it's similar to that B word, but it's putting it a little bit differently. I think you and I have very different definitions of the B word, quote unquote, but <laughs> I, totally, I totally get it. I don't, I don't like the, the B word either. Um, and I, and I, I have to tell you, like, I'm one of those who, when people start talking about budgets, my, my eyes do kind of glaze over. Uh, but I, I think that I love the fact that you are reframing the conversation and that you acknowledge that words have power. So let's find a way to reach people. Um, you know, I think it's really impressive that you're so communicative and communication oriented about money. I mean, the fact is when you talk about financial matters, um, to a large swath of the population, it's just white noise, you know, that thing that you don't want to think about. Yep. Um, and so, so I love that you are doing that work to make money, money talk and financial matters more accessible and to empower women to take ownership of it. I think that's amazing. Thank you. One, yeah. of, the, one of the analogies that I use that I think is, is helpful is, you know, you probably wouldn't let somebody else go buy your groceries for you and your family for the next week very little input from you right right because they might come back with you know sugary cereals that you would never feed your children or i'm gluten-free they might come back with bread that i couldn't eat um you know so you wouldn't do that and yet so oftentimes as women we're willing to let somebody else make decisions about our financial future with very little input from us yeah so, so we talked a little bit about your advice to an individual woman, but one of the things that I, I find most intriguing and most impressive about your work is, of course, the fact that you you focus on on women. Um, so, so talk to me about this. What is the one thing you wish all women knew about money? It's not it's not rocket science. <laughs> Okay. All right. I like that. <laughs> it's not rocket science. I think, I think because of the way that financial advisors and I, and quite honestly, I can say this because I was guilty of it myself. Right. I mean, we're, we're taught to when a client comes in for a meeting, what we're supposed to be talking about is, you know, their portfolio and, and how it did, and, and if it outperformed, underperformed, what stocks did well, what stocks didn't do well, 
you know, I mean, there's this terminology and this very analytical approach to, to money and investments in particular. And, you know, I just, I think it makes it sound, the jargon and the lingo makes it sound like it's really something else, right? I mean, it's really, you know, something hard to understand and it's not. Yeah. It's really not. I, I love that. that. That's a very, that's a very empowering statement when you kind of parse it out. So, so you, you work in what I imagine is a pretty competitive field. Um, I'm sure that there are a lot of financial planners, a lot of financial experts out there looking to gain a toehold into various markets. What sets you apart? I'm not a financial advisor or planner. So I am no longer actually managing money or investments for people. Yeah. So I am not trying to get your assets under management. I'm not trying to sell you investment product. I am purely financial education. And, you know, I, it's interesting because people who know me think that I've become a financial advisor and, you know, because that was what my career, my whole career has been, but I didn't want there to be a conflict of interest. Sure. I really wanted to just truly help women understand these concepts. And if I'm trying to manage money, then guess where the focus goes? The focus goes to managing money and it should, right? I mean, that's a really important component and that's an important job that the financial, your financial advisor, your financial planner is providing is managing your money. And, and I was doing that. That was what I was focused on. And I was really watching the markets and the economy. And, you know, I knew what clock was doing what, and I, you know, I mean, that takes a lot of time and energy to be doing that part of, of investment management. And I did not want to be focused on that because as a, as a financial advisor, I didn't have the bandwidth to spend the kind of time educating women that I do now. And so I wanted to remove that conflict so I don't compete with a financial advisor. So if you already have a financial advisor you're working in with, that's great in my mind. You know, I love that. So I'm just really trying to actually make the discussion that you're having with your financial advisor better, stronger, more impactful, you know, have you more engaged. I'm not in any way, shape or form trying to replace your financial advisor or planner. Yeah. Well, I love that. I, I love that you are complementary and supplementary to a, a very important function, as you said. Um, I, I, I think that's really cool. Um, so, so we're going to, that, that, that was actually a really good segue. Uh, great response. And we are going to put you in the hot seat for a minute. Are you ready? All right, ready. <laughs> so so I, I want, I want to hear about you. And I want to ask you, this is, this is a question that I, I love to ask people in my, in my personal life, but I don't think I've asked it on the show just yet. Do you have any mentors? Not really. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, what I'm, it's interesting that when I think back along my career, there was a woman that I worked for for many years and 
quite honestly, she she taught me more about what I didn't want to be. Fair. Than I did want to be. Um, so she was she was an amazing mentor from that perspective. I don't think she would appreciate me, you know. <laughs> well, I, I, I certainly won't tell her. No, yeah, no. So, but um, you know, it's been, you know, I've been in a very male dominated field. And as a, you know, one of very, you know, oftentimes I was the only woman in the room. And so there weren't really a lot of, you know, mentors that I um, picked up along the way, I guess. Hmm. Interesting. So, all right. (laughs) That actually makes me a little sad. Well, so so how is the, the space that you work within changing or how are you working to change the space that you work with within? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really, Lauren, quite honestly, I'm trying to disrupt the industry a little bit because, you know, again, I think, you know, people are accustomed to having a financial advisor, a financial planner. You might have a financial coach, which um, is somebody that, you know, might help you you know, figure out how to pay down debt or eliminate debt or figure out how to do, you know, the budget thing. And that's, again, that's not what I'm doing. I'm really trying to bring something different to the table, which is all about education. It's also about, you know, getting, you know, eliminating the money is taboo barrier. I want women to start talking about money. You know, I think it's one of those things, you know, men... And I'm generalizing here, of course, but I think men find money and investments in particular very competitive. And so they talk about it because it's, oh, hey, you know, I I had this great stock I invested in, you know, a couple months ago. And man, it's doubled and doing great. And and so they're having this conversation that women would never have. And so getting women to start to talk about, you know, money and so again part of bringing the groups together groups of women to talk about this is to give them a safe space to share stories and to ask their questions and to start to really learn about this but it's it's also you know eliminating that you know we can't talk about money you know just even things like you know women not talking about what we're making you know, I think oftentimes men come in and they're much more prepared to negotiate salary because they understand what other, what other men are getting paid. They've shared that. And so they have a leg up as far as, you know, what they want to ask for. And women aren't talking about those things. And so I think it makes it harder for us to make more money. And I mean, quite honestly, this, if you can negotiate an extra $5,000 or $2,000 on the front end in your salary when you're young, I mean, the the long-term implications of that are tremendous. Yeah. yeah. That's, awesome. That's awesome. So one final question that I, that I have for you before we go into our silly question and, you know, a couple other things. Um, we've talked about this in the specific sense, but I, I want to talk about it in the broad sense because I think it's really important. And I think what you're doing is really important, but I'm going to ask you the, the big question. Why do women benefit from having a deep understanding and competency around finance and around money and 
not the B word, but thoughtful spending and, and all of that. Like what, what is the upside to this? So Lauren, eight out of 10 women, some, some say it's nine out of 10, but let's, so we'll just stick with eight out of 10, eight out of 10 women, the statistics say, will end up on this journey alone at some point in time. Yeah. They never marry, they're divorced or they're widowed. And so at some point, women will have to stand up. And so, you know, this, I tell a story about a woman who um, I know, and she, you know, was kind of blissfully unaware of what was going on in their financial situation and, you know, delegated the responsibilities to her husband and to their financial advisor. They had most of the discussions. She tried to avoid the meetings as much as possible. And she was a pediatrician, so smart. And, you know, there was no reason that she couldn't have participated. And then her husband died suddenly of a heart attack. Yeah. And she had two girls that were in high school and it was overwhelming. It was scary. She said, you know, I don't even know if we can afford to stay in our house. I, I know nothing about our financial situation. Gosh, that would be terrifying. It would be, it was. And I've seen it happen to, you know, a number of women, and these are smart women, you know? And so I had another woman, she's a litigation attorney, and she said to me, you know, I, I know that my knowledge around money is low, so I don't speak the speak, uh, you know, it's all Greek to me, so I disengage, and she said, I know I can and should understand this, I know I need to understand this, and she said, and my lack of knowledge doesn't fit with my image of myself as a smart professional woman right and i just thought that was so beautifully said because that is absolutely i think that i think that resonates with a lot of women but it's just been one of the i think there's this love-hate relationship with money i mean money's fun to spend it's it you know it brings you freedom it brings flexibility but there's the the icky part of you know, the budgeting and the, you know, the paying your bills and it's complex and the investment part doesn't really make sense. And, you know, and so there's this, this love-hate relationship with it. And we've got to get past that because we will take on that responsibility. The chances are very, very high that we are going to have to understand it. At point in time. Yeah. Well, so, so I, I love that. And I, I want to say thank you, Jane, for doing what you do and for empowering women in an area where they're not often very empowered. And, and I'm, I'm sure that there are any number of societal reasons and blockers and, and, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of them today, but just thank you for doing the work that you do. Oh, well, thank you. For, thank you for having me on, Lauren. I appreciate the opportunity to share what I'm up to. Absolutely. Well, so, so I do have, I've got one more question for you. And it's our, it's the silly question. <laughs> and I will tell you that um, this question is not actually so silly, but it was inspired by a conversation that we had a little bit earlier. And so you started it. Um, and, and some might even say it's a little morbid, but I don't care. It's my show. I get to ask it. Uh, so 
what do you want your legacy to be? And, and, and I'm going to put it a little bit more fine of a point on it. What would you like written on your tombstone? She made a difference in many women's lives. Oh my gosh. I love that. I need that on a t-shirt, I think. <laughs> I mean, also on, on my tombstone, like I would be a-okay with that, but I, I feel like that's a t-shirt right there. Yeah. And I guess I would probably add in many women's financial lives. Very, oh, well, see, I can't add that. Okay. So <laughs> we, have, we have different t-shirts now. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you so much for that. Uh, and, and Jane, thank you again for being here with us today. It has, it, it's really been an education. And like I said, like, I feel like I'm going to hop off this recording right here and I'm going to go and I'm going to start looking at like my taxes and I'm going to start looking at like my finances and just make sure like, do you know what you think, you know? Uh, so, so thank you for that, for that inspiration. Well, that's wonderful. Then I've made a difference in one more life. <laughs> well, and hopefully many of our listeners will feel the same. So you've potentially made a difference in many people's lives just right here today and in, in like an hour. Well, that would be wonderful. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks so much, Jane. And you have a, a great rest of the day. And listeners, we hope to see you again for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast soon. Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.